0: Hello everyone, this is Trevor with Tea Time Reports. Welcome to our weekly USFL and Chill segment. We have a lot to dive into uh, this evening or this day, whenever or wherever you're listening to this uh, episode at. I really appreciate all the support. So does the whole team. We have a lot of content coming out for the remainder of this month as well as for Season 3. Keep your eyes and ears out for that. There's going to be a lot of juicy stuff in there. Moving forward to the topic at hand. I wanna go over quickly the USFL week five ratings per James Larfin PFN on Twitter. The Michigan versus Pittsburgh game on USA only got in two hundred and fifty six thousand viewers. Birmingham versus Houston on Fox nine hundred and fourteen thousand viewers. Philadelphia versus New Jersey on NBC got seven hundred and fifty seven thousand viewers. NOLA versus Memphis got on Fox got five hundred and sixty three thousand viewers. Um, good numbers. Really good numbers. Definitely something you want to see um, consistent on Fox and NBC for sure. USA needs to go. Something else I saw as well. Um, per Jared uh, Schuster, uh, USFL. Jay Schuster, USFL at Twitter. That's his Twitter, sorry. Um, <laughs> but midseason USFL viewership average by team. This was interesting. So this is the viewership per team, which is how they're, how they're doing this, I think. Um, okay, so the number of network games is in parentheses here. So if you guys see this tweet out there, I'm going to briefly go through it. So Memphis has five network games with 1.1 million average viewers. Michigan has three network games, 813K. New Jersey has five, 747K. Birmingham has had three so far, 683K. Houston is at four, six hundred and sixty-four K. Philadelphia has had four, six hundred and seventeen K. Pittsburgh is at two, five hundred and fifty-four K. New Orleans is at two with four hundred and sixty-two K. So those are the average viewers per team on network games. Okay. That's interesting. Also, if you guys, you know, like to support players and small businesses and stuff like that, definitely check out um, the new Mark Thompson T shirt at Breaking T on Twitter. Really cool. Um, Really cool t shirts. But going into roster changes, activations, new signings, uh, the New Orleans Breakers have signed wide receiver Javon Durante from the IFL Massachusetts Pirates. Javon was mainly used as a kick returner in 2022, taking back 24 kicks for 446 yards and one touchdown in the Indoor Football League. A new weapon for the Breakers that was per Gridiron USFL um, on Twitter. Great guy in the Discord, really active. Current status of 2022 USFL first-round draft picks, Tuesday, May 16th. So these are the guys that were taken in the collegiate USFL draft. Their player rights were drafted, and they have not um, signed with a USFL team yet. Number one, Jarrett Horst, offensive lineman, undrafted free agent. QB Lindsey Scott Jr., undrafted free agent. QB Chase Bryce, undrafted free agent. Offensive tackle Mason Brooks, who I think actually got signed to Washington there. Um, Wide receiver Tyler Scott, fourth round in Chicago, went uh, went in the fourth round to Chicago. And offensive tackle Alfred Edwards is an undrafted free agent. Offensive tackle Kadeem Telfort, undrafted free agent, to Green Bay. Really interesting to think about that. um, That those top guys, some of them, you know, one of them was drafted drafted in the uh, NFL draft, but the rest were not. So definitely something to keep in mind when, you know, maybe there's going to be some new additions to your squad. There might be um, a, a, a young rookie trying to come out and, you know, play some games, show what he has. But as for injury reserves and free agency signings and just the roster movements that we typically see every week, and normally we get the final finale of those around Thursday evening, and that's why I kind of do these episodes, the USF Elton Chill episodes, towards the the end of the week, just because we can get all the rosters up to date. Moving forward here to the Philadelphia Stars, free agent signing offensive guard Khalil Keith out of Baylor, new addition, transferred player to inactive roster, defensive end Darius Hodge, running back Darnell Holland, and offensive guard Khalil Keith, who is their new signing, he will probably not see the field week six. We'd like to hope so. Transferred player to injured reserve list is Jordan Sewell. Might be a season-ending injury. Took a big shot to the ribs last game. One of their better receivers. That's a massive loss for the Stars. Transferred player to injury reserve list, QB Carson Strong for the Michigan Panthers. Is this a massive loss? No, he hasn't shown much promise when he's on, and they've not let him start yet which in my opinion was their biggest mistake. After week 2, I think week 3 Carson Strong should have been in there cuz week 1 and 2 we saw, you know, them go 2 and 0, but we saw them barely win in week 2 cuz Josh Love made mistakes, wasn't a clean cut quarterback. I think week 3 is when Carson should have been inserted into the offense. Um and him just coming in on certain drives and certain quarters just wasn't working and it clearly didn't work and he got injured sadly. Now to the Houston Gamblers, transferred player to injury reserve list is running back T.J. Pledger, who is a I think top three touchdown scorer this year so far. That's huge. That's a huge loss. Mark Thompson will be the premier guy, but T.J. is a good guy to you know alleviate stress off your premier back. You know hand him off, hand it off to him 14 times a game, maybe a little less, and throw him the ball a couple times. T.J. Pledger is a good running back. Now moving on to the New Orleans Breakers, free agent signings, defensive end Justin Cates out of North Carolina a and and then obviously wide receiver Jamon Durante out of Florida Atlantic, and both of those guys were transferred to the inactive roster, and I imagine we won't see them in week six, but we might, it just depends on how fast they can get up to speed. Moving on to the Memphis Showboats, transferred player to injury reserve list, offensive tackle Clayton Bradley. That's not a good sign. Uh, Your tackle's going down kind of midway through the year, and your quarterback relies on that extra pressure, that extra pass protection, excuse me, um, because he's not a very agile runner. So that's going to be interesting to see if the Showboats can salvage some offensive production due to that loss, but I guess we'll have to see. Now on to the New Jersey Generals. Transferred player to inactive roster, wide receiver Daryl Stewart Jr., Really shifty guy. would love to see him get more involved, but they need a dedicated passer in that offense. They really do. We talked about the schedule for Week 6. I had a little intermission here. I'm going to go over it again briefly. Saturday, May 20th at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 11.30 a.m. Central Time on USA. The Maulers play the showboats again at 12.30 or 11.30 Central Time. And then Saturday, May 20th, 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central time on Fox will be the Birmingham Stallions versus the Michigan Panthers. And then Sunday, May 21st at 12 p.m. or 11 a.m. Central time um, on FS1, the Breakers will play the Stars. And then on Sunday, May 21st again at 4 p.m. or 3 p.m. Central on Fox, the Generals will play the Gamblers. My game of the week is going to be the Generals and Gamblers game. I think that's going to be game of the week by far. A lot of scoring that's going to happen there. Really excited to see that one. But uh, we went over our predictions again. Uh, I took the Maulers. I took the Panthers. I took the Stars. And I took the Generals. So we'll see how I do with that. Um, at the end of the video, I do want to just briefly go over my power rankings one last time. Just to kind of go, you know, show what has changed, I guess, if anything, Um, Chris Orr, linebacker for the New Jersey Generals, wearing number two has 51 total tackles through five weeks of football Panthers defensive end number 57 Breland Speaks has six and a half sacks in five weeks of football Frank Genda Amani Dennis DJ Daniel and Mark Gilbert are all four tied for leading interceptions, they all have two apiece very impressive Also, I'd like to shout out just Tom Cruise in general. The new Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 trailer came out today and it was fucking great. I'm so excited. Now, moving on to the rushing yards leaders. Oh, all purpose yards, excuse me. Through week five, the leader of that category is Reggie Corbin with 650 yards all purpose. He's the running back for the uh, Michigan Panthers. Number two, Wes Hills running back for the New Orleans Breakers with 577 all purpose yards. Number three, Wide receiver for the Houston Gamblers, Anthony Ratliff-Williams, with 564 all-purpose yards. Number four, Dion Kane, wide receiver for the Birmingham Stallions, 526 all-purpose yards. And the, at that number five spot, who genuinely deserves more praise, wide receiver for the Pittsburgh Maulers, Isaiah Henney, with 464 all-purpose yards. He's their offense, their special teams, he is a player for them. Again, Breland Speaks is leaving in sacks with 6.5, and you have Olive Sagapolu with 4.0 sacks, defensive lineman for the Pittsburgh Maulers, Rahim Bigham, he has 4 sacks, linebacker for the Houston Gamblers, Henri St. Amour, defensive end for the New Orleans Breakers with 3.5 sacks, Greg Reeves, linebacker for the Memphis Showboats with 3.5 sacks, Tyshawn Render, defensive end for the New Jersey Generals with 3.5 sacks, and Jeff McCulloch, three-and-a-half sacks, and he's a defensive end for the Memphis Showboats. Shout-out to all of those guys for balling out through five weeks of football. And another big signing for the Michigan Panthers was um, the Michigan Panthers have signed former Michigan State quarterback Brian Lewerke. Lewerke, who threw for over 828,293 yards and 47 touchdowns in his career at MSU, replaces the injured Carson Strong. It'll be interesting to see him take up that QB3 role. More signings as well with the Philadelphia Stars. Free agent signing, um, kicker Lurim Hagerolo, Hagerolu, Western Ontario, and released. they released cornerback Denzel Williams. The Generals also released wide receiver Randy Satterfield, who caught the first USFL touchdown pass last year, and he just hasn't looked the same since, to tell you the complete and utter truth. Louis Aguilar this past weekend in Week 5. Congrats on him for setting a new professional football record for the most combined field goal yardage. New professional football record here with 338 yards combined of field goals. He he was 8 of 8 distances, 22 yards, 42 yards, 56 yards, 26 yards, 27 yards, 51 yards, 49 yards, and a 55-yard game winner. That's insane. I would like to briefly talk about some more... um, I guess, injury updates, you can call these. But with the Pittsburgh Maulers, wide receiver Isaiah Henney is probable with a hamstring. Reuben Foster's full go. John Dyson, full go. Uh, Reuben Foster, obviously that premier first-round pick, uh, former first-round pick, is uh, in the USFL. He missed last week. And now he's back, and he's going to make a huge impact, as usual. And then offensive guard John Dyson is a full go with that shoulder uh, injury he had last week. Um, moving forward. Traquan Dorsey, Tyson Graham Jr., and C.J. Turner for the Pittsburgh Maulers were moved to the inactive roster. Um, so just something to think about that they have a lot going, um, a lot going on with their roster right now. But um, just something to think about. And then going to the Birmingham Stallions, they actually brought on linebacker Bro, uh, Brody Buck out of Northwestern Missouri State, and uh, big news for the Birmingham Stallions crew and fan base. JoJo Tillery's safety is back. He's back in the lineup. He played week one all of last year as well. And he's a huge part of their defense, and he's back. That is a huge upgrade for them. Um, And then, obviously, linebacker Brody Buck played for them last year as well. And they also uh, are activating offensive lineman O'Shea Dugas, something to look out for as well. And the Mission Panthers also brought in linebacker Deshaun White out of Oklahoma. And they transferred quarterback Eric Barriere and linebacker Noah Dawkins, cornerback Keontae Harden, wide receiver Caden Davis, and defensive tackle Jamal Millen to the active roster. And if you guys want, you guys can check uh, the show's Twitter page, at Tea Time Reports, to check out all these roster updates, these injury updates, as well as new signings. Um, There's so much information on here as well, on on our Twitter and Instagram. We're very active, and we, we try to be. And that's just something that we genuinely try and take pride in is bringing information and staying on top of the new updates and stuff like that. But something else for the Memphis Showboats, which is also very interesting in my personal opinion, running back Ezra Gray, who was cut from the New Orleans Breakers earlier this year gets a chance to start on the active roster, and then as well as tight end Cheyenne O'Grady, who played for the Tampa Bay Bandits last year, is back and activated. They signed him a week ago, and he just wasn't ready for last week, obviously, getting up-to-date with the playbook and getting in tune with this new team. And uh, I'm glad to see that he's going to be out on the field. I'm really excited. If you guys want, you guys can go check out the USFL Twitter account. They release their depth charts um, every Thursday and Friday, and... I'm really excited. Sadly, it looks like Josh Love is going to be getting the start. Um, let Let me pull up. Yep, Josh Love is going to be starting, sadly, but it looks like Eric Barriere is in that QB2 spot. So I'm expecting a quarterback change permanently in this team for the rest of the season. Eric Barriere has the upside. He's like Kenji Bahar, but faster. I talk about it. He has the arm, he has the elusiveness, he has the versatility. He just needs to hone in on that football IQ. And if we can see him dissect the defense, he could genuinely be as deadly or deadlier than Kenji Bahar. And I talked about this guy last year when he started a couple games for the Panthers and Jeff Fisher. Just didn't give him enough chances. They should have started him way earlier in the season. Um, but just something to think about. This guy was a very elusive and a very dynamic player when he was on the field, and I'm excited to see him potentially get a chance again this weekend because the, the Panthers, they can't lose four in a row. If they go two and four... They have to win out and that's just not going to happen it's just not going to happen they need to beat the stallions here but the stallions can't afford to go three and three i mean I mean they can but they don't want to that's not who skip holtz and his team is they're going to go four and two here i think i chose the panthers but the more i look at this roster i'm looking at the Birmingham stallions as a legitimate favorite to win it all again i mean with the addition of jojo tillery back and brody uh buck i, I their defense is shoring up And, you know, maybe some of their pieces that are injured will come back into play like Bo Scarborough and Scooby Wright later on in the season towards that playoff push. That's what I'm looking forward to. And moving over to the the Maulers and Showboats depth chart, Um, Cole Kelly is going to get the start. Brady White's in that QB2 position. Troy Williams is obviously getting the start. Terry Poole has looked really good for the Maulers offense. All USFL tackle in season one. Really like Garrett Groshek. John Dyson was terrible for the Stars, but he's actually showed some, uh, some some upside on the Maulers. I don't know how to explain that. Uh, he just does. He looks good at that right tackle spot. Just something I'll keep an eye out on for sure. I'm gonna go down to my power rankings, which again we do post on Twitter regularly. So if you guys want to stay updated with that, just give us a follow for sure. Um, as for my power rankings in week five, number one were the Breakers, number two were the Houston Gamblers, number three were the Pittsburgh Maulers, number four were the Birmingham Stallions, number five were the New Jersey Generals, number six were the Philadelphia Stars, and number seven, the Memphis Showboats, eight uh, were the Michigan Panthers. They've lost three in a row. They look fucking terrible. Um, just something to think about for sure is, you know, how, how will those rankings change after week six um, is something that I'm definitely interested in seeing. And another thing that I'm also interested in seeing for sure is um, the fact that um, some of these games. It looks like all the underdogs um, of last uh, last weekend they won. So, just something to think about. Will will the home and away take an effect here? There was a um, a little standing picture that USFL tweeted out, and it was of the home and away and. Like the divisional losses and such, I will go over the over and unders for the upcoming games because I I have been placing bets. Didn't make any money last weekend. I only put two lineups in, fourteen bucks, um, and I actually lost three dollars. But as far as league standings, Memphis, uh, excuse me, Memphis Showboats are in last. They're two and three overall. They're zero and one at home. They're two and two away, and they're one and two in the division. They're on a two game win streak though. The Philadelphia Stars are second to last, 2 and 3 overall, 1 and 3 at home, 1 and 0 away, and 1 and 2 in the division. They're on a 1-game win streak going into week 6. The Michigan Panthers are at that 6th spot, 2 and 3 overall, 0 and 3 at home, 2 and 0 away, 1 and 2 in the division, and they're on a 3-game losing streak. And then at that 5th spot is the Pittsburgh Maulers, 2 and 3 overall, at home, 2-1 away, 2-1 in the division, and they're on a one-game winning streak. At that fourth spot is the New Jersey Generals. They're 2-3 overall. They're 0-1 at home. They're 2-2 away, and they're 2-1 in the division. They're on a two-game losing streak. The Birmingham Stallions are in that third spot. They're 3-2 overall. They're 2-2 at home. They're 1-0 away. And they're one and two in the division on a one- game losing streak. In that number two position is that Houston Gambler squad, which is three and two overall, one and one at home, two and one away, and two and one in the division. They're on a three-game win streak. And then in that number one spot is the New Orleans Breakers. They're four and one overall, they're two and one at home, two and0 away, two and one in the division, and they're on a one game losing streak. So that's just, those are interesting standings when you actually take a step back and look at that, but briefly going over um, the USFL week six spreads and totals, we'll just take a quick look at this, give me, give me one second. Okay, so it looks like the Pittsburgh Maulers are favorited over the Memphis Showboats, the point spread is -2.5 and the point total is 41.5. Huh. I'm I'm going to go under if if you're taking these kind of over under bets, I just kind of submit lineups and stuff. Um yeah, I'm going to go under on that one. And I don't know if I'd take that spread. And then in the next game, the Birmingham Stallions are favored over the Michigan Panthers. The point spread is 6.0, negative 6.0, and then the point total is 44.5. I'm going to go over on the point total for sure. Yeah, I don't know about the point spreads. I'm, I'm not going to call that kind of stuff, but like the over-under I can kind of guesstimate. The New Orleans Breakers versus the Philadelphia Stars, the, the Breakers are favored negative um, 8.0. Okay, and the total the point total is forty seven point five I'm gonna go under on this one. that just seems like really high, really high for that for the Philadelphia Stars offense. I mean the breakers might score that by themselves, so you know what? I'll take the over on that one. That game might be an offensive explosion um and then the final game of week six, then you're the, eh, excuse me, the New Jersey generals are facing the Houston gamblers. And the New Jersey Generals are actually favored. Uh, I am i don't know about that one. I mean, I took the Generals to win, but I don't know how they're the, the favorite in that game. The point spread is negative 5.0, and the point total is 45.5. I'm going over it in that game. That might either be a slugfest or legitimately 80 points are scored. Who knows? Any given weekend, right? But yeah, no, I mean, there's a lot of exciting and fun stuff about this USFL season. A lot of more equal talent and equal, like, across the board, every team has good players and bright spots and really bad spots of the team. So it's a lot more equal. The talent's equivalent. The coaching seems a little more equal as well. There's competent coaching. I'm incredibly excited. We're midway through this season, and this USFL league looks outstanding, it looks like they know what they're doing. Ad revenue-wise, they're on fucking point. Um, they're projecting to do great numbers with ad revenue, as well as just average viewership on their major network channels like Fox and NBC. Week 4, the Breaker's game, had over 2 million average viewers. Uh, that's fucking crazy. That one game had more people watching that than the XFL championship so just something to to reminisce and think on because like you know isn't as much as we want these leagues to both survive i don't know if it's possible just because the money has to be there and honestly when there's one thing kind of soaking in that revenue for marketing and ad revenue like a lot of companies are going to one league over the other to get their product and brand out there because it's a clean cut product it's a good league it's it's got good backing and it's not flimsy it's not going to fold and it's working it really is and I'm very happy to see it not work not just working on the field looking good the uniforms the new branded teams the hub system All of that's going to be coming together more and more as this season comes along. I just wanted to see this league make smart fiscal business decisions that would actually further the future and also create more opportunities for not just players but for coaches and staff members and stuff like that. But I just want this league to be the big thing in this time of year and I think it can be with the right nudge. And I think they're on pace to do that, and I'm excited to see them do that. And I'm excited for week six. There's been a lot of really good football this season in the USFL, a lot of really fun and interesting players and plays, uh, exciting games, really good stories. And it's just one of those things where if you haven't watched any USFL yet, then what the hell are you doing? But uh, I'll leave it at that. I really appreciate you guys for tuning into this USFL and Chill episode. Hopefully you guys will take into those uh, take those roster activations and inactivations, you know how you will. But uh, if you are betting on this league, definitely get on Twitter, start doing your research. You can actually win some fucking money. Like, g, shit. Not a lot of people are betting on this league, and like I was in a couple of uh, I entered two lineups in this past weekend, and there was like fourteen people in each. So, like, the money is there if you pick the right lineup. Again, football is hard to bet on in, in, in all reality because you never really know, you know, how good a player is going to do. I mean, I'm sure people bet on West Hills last weekend. He had, like, 18 rushes, 34 rushing yards, and probably some catching yards and a touchdown, but he just wasn't doing what he was doing all, like, every other game. So, like, you're expecting that, mount, that monstrous game, and, you know, had a little bit of a laid-back day, you know? So... Especially in leagues like this, where you kind of have to save your stars for the playoffs, if you have a shot. If you're three and two right now, if you're the four and one breakers right now, hell, if you're even two and three and you're like the Maulers, or the Showboats, those guys are on winning streaks. I, I have hope for the teams that are figuring out how to win now. Go three and zero, go two and zero, that's fine. But what isn't fine is losing games midway through this 10-week season, and costing yourself that playoff spot. And if the if the Stallions do that, I'll be shocked. I'll be shocked. If they lose this weekend and go 300, uh, go 500, go 3-3, and that's just not going to be, I just didn't expect that to happen this year. I thought they were going to go on another 8-0, 9-0 tear, and then lose in the last week like last year, but you can see the talent has gotten better around the league and you can see that all these clubs are fielding good teams and that's just what you wanted to see. Do, does this league have the talent to put out a good product? And it does. It does. So if you haven't checked out a USFL game, I really recommend that you do. Very fun, very gritty games. Um, great plays, interesting storyline and player lines to follow. Definitely give it a listen. Uh, or, or give it a watch this weekend uh, for week six because the playoffs are coming up rather shortly in about four or five weeks now. So we'll see how that turns out and we're, we'll have a lot of content continuously pumped out for this USFL season two. And I really want to say thank you to everyone out there supporting the channel, supporting the show, supporting every episode. It is greatly appreciated and we love you guys uh, from West Africa to Europe to to wherever you are in this beautiful blue and green world. Uh, We greatly appreciate your support and uh, the acknowledgement. You know, it's not always in everyone's best interest to to do a recorded episode at this time. You know what I'm saying? Like, we'll have, you know, our shift or, you know, you got to get over there to the fam. You got to go chill with the boys. You got to get your pump in. And then we come back and we record an episode. So it's like we dedicate a lot of time to this. At least I know I do for sure. And I really appreciate all the boys that have put time and effort into this show, Thane, Richard, Logan, Kaden, Brady, Ty, I love you guys, and I think everyone out there listening can share some of that love too, and again, this is Tea Time Reports, this is Trevor, take care.